Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Carla. Love chatting with her. We go into all topics involving relationships. We go into her book, Contagious Love, how to break patterns of codependency, tips for using dating apps, and so much more. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Carla, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you and hearing about your story. I'd love to know about your story. Tell me what it's looked like so far and how did you get to the place you're at right now? Everybody always asks me, how does one become a dating and relationship coach? Because I feel like it's not necessarily a conventional type of like coaching. You've got executive coaches, you have career coaches, wellness coaches, but then people are like, how do you become a dating and relationship coach? So I will start my story all the way back to my childhood where I grew up with domestic violence. So I never felt loved. I never felt like I was enough. And as a result, it came out in codependent relationships. So I was looking for the validation. I was looking for for love, for somebody just to love me, care for me, show me that I'm special in really unhealthy relationships. And it's, it's like dating insanity. It's dating a different type of person with the same face over and over again, or whatever, you get what I'm saying. Same type of person, different face over and over again, expecting to be in this like amazing, healthy relationship. So it wasn't until my early 20s and I was 24 years old and I was in an abusive relationship and I saw two paths in front of me. And it just was like, it was, it was big because I, I realized I had a choice. I could continue a path of self-sabotage. So dating people who weren't healthy for me and picking toxic partners, or I could step into the relationship with myself, create self-love, create a place where I feel secure in myself. I care for myself. I feel worthy. And then in doing so, learn about red flags, learn how to pick a partner that reflects self-love, that reflects self-worth, how to communicate, all of those things. So I ended that abusive relationship. And as I always say, I began the most important relationship that I will ever have. And that I have today. And that's the relationship with myself. And in doing so, I just thought to myself, you know, other, other people out there are also going through similar things or they're struggling with relationships or they're struggling with dating. And 
maybe, maybe I went through all of that so I could help others go through their journey as well. So I got certified to become a dating and relationship coach. I have a book out called uh, Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. And I also do different talks and events and workshops all over nationwide, not just on dating and relationships, but around any type of relationship, whether it's with yourself, in the workplace, um, whether you're a student in school and working toward getting that job after graduation, all of those different types of things is what I really work toward spreading love um, within yourself is, is my big message. And what was the turning point for you that you're like, I need to leave this toxic relationship? It's when I realized I had a, I had a choice. I didn't have to keep this cycle going. And at that moment, I took responsibility. I didn't take responsibility that somebody was treating me a certain way because that's on them. But I took responsibility that on some level when I became conscious of what was happening and the situations I was putting myself into, I realized I had a choice to leave. And so it was in those moments that I just thought, I can't, I can't keep doing this to myself. And I had a glimpse of, I'm too valuable, I'm too worthy to keep going with this. That if I'm really going to step into my worth, I'm really going to step into my self-love and, and really own who I am as a person, I need to end this relationship. And what advice would you give to someone who keeps on attracting the wrong person over and over again? <laughs> But they're not aware, or maybe they're aware. I don't know. (laughs) And they're done that girl, right? (laughs) But I would say what really is, what, what are you chasing? What is it you're really going after? What are you trying to fill up? Because you can never find that in somebody else. Nobody else can fill up your cup. You're the only person that can fill yourself up. So you've got to love yourself first before you can truly love and let others love you fully. And so I would say, what are you chasing? That, that would be my first question. What are you looking for? For myself, I was looking for validation. I was looking for, for love. I, I wanted to prove to myself, okay, you are worthy of being loved. If you are enough, because this person is saying that to you. This person isn't showing it, but they're in, they're in a relationship of however you want to define that at the time. But they're in this relationship with you means, means you're worth of, worthy of being loved, right? And so I think that if you're struggling with it, what are you chasing? What are you trying to fill within yourself with this pattern? And the other one, what are you afraid of for breaking away from that pattern? And earlier you mentioned that you kept on seeking validation from them. How did you stop that cycle of going outside for validation? I found the validation in myself. I just finally was like... I can't, I can't seek validation from others because I will never live up to my full potential. I will just keep trying to strive for something that doesn't exist because we all have our own standards of perfection or success or failure. We all have our own standards. And so I was creating my own standard and projecting it onto, okay, this person will give me validation if I do X, Y, and Z. But those were, that was me playing by my own rules. So I wasn't playing by my rules of taking care of myself rules. I was playing by other people's rules and I was trying to create situations of being validated that I could have just done myself. And here's the other thing as well. I think that's important to point out is that when I was seeking validation from others and and wanting to feel validated, feel worthy, feel needed, it, It also served a purpose to help me be successful in certain areas of my life. So 
it kind of gave me a drive, a push to get out there, do what I needed to do to get things done, feel needed. And it, it wasn't just only in relationships that were intimate. It came out in work. And I talk about that in my book, Contagious Love, where I was casting TV shows and I was a TV producer and, and I was working crazy hours and I just had no boundaries. And I kept saying yes, because I wanted to be validated. I wanted to feel needed. I wanted to feel like, okay, I belong here. And it served a purpose because I moved up really quickly. But to take a step back from that and, and realize that I wasn't fulfilled, that was what was missing with myself. That was the validation that had to come within. And so it was being able just to say, okay, you know what? I can still be a casting producer. I can still be a TV producer and do these things before I became a coach, but do all these things once I realized, oh, I'm getting validation from this. How do I reshift that? And it became so much more fulfilling with myself. I mean, I'm so glad that I was able to validate myself and not seek it from others because I became so much more content with myself. I still have a drive. I still was able to keep going and push it, but my motives for why I was trying so hard shifted and it was doing it for myself and no longer for others. And what's something that you notice a lot of your clients struggle with when it comes to love? My clients have a lot of fear and trusting themselves. A lot of times people think, oh, it's communication or I just don't know how to respond, that kind of thing. But I have clients who have gone from one end to being in relationship after relationship after relationship and it's just not working right to the other end of never dating or never having a relationship. And within those two examples, easy people and friends and family have said to them, well, you got to say it this way, or you're being too pushy, or you need to do this, or you need to like be less strong and powerful as a woman, like, you know, changing all these little things about themselves, which I actually think can be really toxic to somebody who is working on themselves and wanting to get in a relationship or date better because that just pushes down their confidence. It pushes down the trust with themselves. And at the end of the day, I think people really struggle with, especially my clients, trusting themselves, loving themselves, knowing that they're worthy, even if a date doesn't work out. And I don't call it rejection because rejection is just what we create as our failure. And if you can look at it in a different perspective, you can see it as, oh, it just didn't work out. They're now one step closer to the right person. So I would say it comes down to really trust, feeling like you're enough, feeling like you're worthy and really loving yourself. And what is um, contagious love? I like that you <laughs> asked that question. Contagious <laughs> love. Really funny. When I was writing the book, I, I played around with the title and then I just decided, I was like, you know what? Contagious love because codependency is so contagious and it will rob you if you aren't being careful with your boundaries, if you're not following red flags, if you're not loving yourself, if you're not showing up for yourself fully, that all of a sudden this love can just become so contagious and it just feels like a cycle and you can't get out of it, right? It's like a virus. You can't get rid of the virus. You're just sick with it. And so the contagious love is recognizing that it's codependency, recognizing that there's a lack of boundaries and you're not showing up for yourself. That is what contagious love is. But it's also equally as possible to break out of that contagious love into, as what I always call, stepping into your confident warrior. And that's from my book, where it's your like inner Beyonce, your badass, where you're just this like unstoppable person and you're just owning everything and anything that is going on with you. And you follow your gut and you show up for yourself and you use your damn voice and all of those things combined is your confident warrior but that is what allows you to step step away from contagious love. 
And what was the inspiration behind the book and who's it for? The inspiration was, it's really funny because when I got into coaching, I really wanted to write a book and I knew that. But then as I was writing the book, I was going through my old journals from seventh grade and things like that. And I literally wrote in there, it was about boys and I was writing about how this guy and it wasn't working out and all this stuff. And I said, maybe one day, you know, I'll write a book on this and I'll help other people. And all of this is serving a purpose. And that was my original motivation of writing this book of wanting to do it was to be able to help others. That, that was all it was. I wanted to share my story. I want to share the tools that I personally learned that I also am certified in coaching other women and people really help them navigate their love life. And the motivation as well was I didn't want this just to be a book that felt clinical or, and I'm not a psychologist. I didn't want it to feel like this. Oh, well, this is the definition of codependency and here we go. I wanted it to feel like you were having an intimate conversation with a girlfriend because that's what feels comfortable when you're talking about this type of stuff. You want to feel comfortable when you're discussing it and recognizing these things and seeing what red flags you didn't follow or have realized, oh my gosh, my gut was off and this was a red flag. All of those different types of things. I just really wanted to make everybody feel comfortable. And the book is for any woman at any stage of her love life, breakup, relationship, marriage, divorce, dating, all of those things. So it's, it's just the, the basis to help other people who struggle in relationships and up to 90% of us are codependent. So the book can really hit 90% of 90% of the women out there who are struggling in relationships from all different angles. And what is codependency and how do you determine if you have that or not? Long story short, I always say that, um, the clinical psychologists and therapists couldn't get their shit together because they literally could not come up with a definition of codependency. So there are a million definitions that are pretty much the same thing. So what codependency is and how I define codependency is you lose a sense of yourself to another person. So an example of that, and there's a spectrum to it, right? An example is being in a relationship with somebody who's an alcoholic who isn't taking care of themselves. So you're so worried about their drinking, the way they're acting in public, how many drinks they had. You're just so consumed that all of a sudden you don't really have any care for yourself because all your care, all your worries is going into that person and trying to fix them. So you feel this need to fix somebody. Now there's another spectrum of codependency and codependency can be in any type of relationship, work relationship, it can be an intimate relationships with your family, with your friends. And you can also have codependency within I, like, a, like finances. You could be codependent with your own finances, okay? But the way, the other side of the spectrum is maybe you have a family member who got sick and you have to take care of them. So as a result, you've been putting all your care and everything into them and you're kind of neglecting yourself. But it's more of a temporary thing because they'll get better and everything will feel better. And then you can kind of go back into your own routine and your system of things. But it's really just losing a sense of yourself that a lot of times when I work with clients, they don't even know what their hobbies are. They don't even know what their interests are, what their true interests are, what they truly want for themselves and what they need for themselves. Now it's easy to say, yeah, I know what I want for myself. I know what I need for myself. But when you go down the list of a full-on inventory of really what you need, what you want, why you have specific deal breakers, are they fear-based deal breakers, all of these things really in depth, a lot of times my clients afterwards will go, whoa, now I'm scared I'm not going to find that person because this is really specific. 
And I have such a great example of a client who uh, she and I have been working together and literally we came up with this list and she three months ago met a guy and he hits every single thing on her list and she is so happy. And that is, that is being able to say, I'm putting myself first to really go after what it is you want, what it is you need and honoring yourself in that so that she's not changing herself for someone else. So that is what codependency looks like. And how did you meet your partner? So we were traveling in Vietnam and he's South African. So he was coming from South Africa. I was coming from LA when I was living there at the time. And we were in the same tour group. We did a Kentucky tour, which it was so fun. It's, it's actually ages 18 to 35. And it's just people who want to go travel somewhere. And a lot of people show up solo. They don't really go with the friends. You just show up and then they put you in this group of people who are around your age and you just have so much fun. It's so awesome. And so we both happened to choose that tour at that exact time and met and decided, Hey, let's do this. And so we were long distance for a while and then eventually he moved to the U S and now we've been able to be together. And what was your first impression of him? <laughs> That's really funny that you asked that. Um, I thought he was a player, but he's not at all. And, and that's like the story that we always laugh about and talk to people about because literally like if you knew him, like you would know he's not a player, but he was guilty by association. So I'm not going to go into that, but it, uh, but no, he's, he's not a player, but that was my first impression. And I've laughed about it like with his family and stuff. And they're like, you know, he's not a player right now. And I'm like, Oh, I know. <laughs> And what was it about him that really stood out to you? Hmm. You know, I think for us, it was being able to feel like we could trust each other and that we had a level of commitment that we both wanted to engage in. And that's what I always say. That's how I tell my clients about being in a healthy relationship is you want to build a level of trust, a foundation of trust, security, all of those things are so important when building a healthy relationship, because if you don't have the foundation of trust, you're not going to feel secure. You're not going to feel safe. And you really need to trust your partner in order to grow, in order to be vulnerable. And that's something that Brene Brown talks about in her TED Talk, Vulnerability, where in order to truly connect with someone, you need to be vulnerable. And it's scary being vulnerable. It's something I talk about with my clients all the time, how it kind of feels a little like you're putting yourself out there for rejection, but what's really on the other side when you're vulnerable is connection and it's essential and it's necessary for vulnerability. So going back to trust, that is so important. And that I think really is what builds strong foundation of a relationship. And what helped you guys to throw um, long distance? WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Literally WhatsApp. Having an end date, and this is something I've talked to clients about who are in long-distance relationships, whether it be across the world or in the U.S. in another state or city, but I always suggest having an end date and working toward a common goal of when you want to physically finally be together and being patient because sometimes you do have to wait for visas and sometimes you do have to wait for government papers to go through in the sense of getting a student visa to come study in the U.S 
pass and live here legally and those types of things. But I think as well, no matter what stage you're at in a long distance relationship, where you guys live, whatever it may be, I think staying consistent on your conversations, using something like WhatsApp, and then both having a common goal of wanting to be together physically. And what do you do to prepare for that relationship? Well, it's not my first relationship since breaking free of codependency. And so I, I think what really helped me and what made me ready for this relationship particularly is doing the inner work on myself. So really practicing self-love, which is a journey. It's not a hashtag. It's not an Instagram post. It's not a facial. It's truly showing up for yourself day in and day out, even when you do struggle with it. And I'm still learning things about myself. And I think that if I wasn't learning things about myself and practicing self-love and really having this special relationship with myself, I wouldn't actually be practicing self-love. Because in order to grow, in order to keep evolving as a person, in order to keep challenging myself and building that relationship, I have to take moments and really look at, oh, I'm feeling a little like, you know, disappointed today. What's going on with that? What thoughts are coming up in my head, right? There's no cure to self-love, but there is an absolute journey. And I always describe it like climbing a mountain. There's an absolute journey that you can get to, you know, you can get on the mountain and you can start climbing. And the next thing you know, you turn around and you realize, holy shit, I just climbed so much up this mountain and I didn't even realize, right? And that's what's important is that it's a journey. It's a process. So it's step-by-step, day-by-day like, don't get ahead of myself. Don't need to fix anything, make it perfect, whatever, but just kind of observe and keep building up that hill, AKA the relationship with myself. And what are your thoughts on dating apps? Do you like them? Do you hate them? (laughs) They're just one. So dating apps are not the end all be all. You should never go into dating apps thinking it's the end all be all. So I've had clients before say to me that you know, oh, I hate dating apps. I'm done. I'm like, well, what else are you doing to meet people? And they're like, nothing. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's the problem is when you're so focused on the dating app, making it your universe, right. Or your higher power or your God, right. Like letting that be the defining factor of meeting somebody or falling in love. You're not looking at it in the bigger picture which you can look at it as having a big pie. Let's call it an apple pie. And (laughs) you've got this big apple pie and dating apps are only one slice of the pie. The big pie is wanting to meet somebody and fall in love and be in an awesome, healthy, amazing, thriving relationship. But the problem is, is that if you only focus on that big relationship and only that one piece of pie, you're going to miss all the steps to get there. So you have to look at other things as well that help facilitate meeting somebody, getting to know somebody, dating, all of those different types of things that dating apps are great, but they're only one little piece of that pie. And do you have a favorite dating app and what, um, what tips do you have for using them? I don't necessarily have a favorite dating app, but I know that a lot of my clients who are women really like Bumble because the idea is that they get to reach out. So they're not just getting DMs and, hey, pretty girl, you know, that kind of stuff that they're like, oh, I don't want to date somebody like that. But I would say when it comes to tips for dating apps, keep your profile really short, sweet, but really fun and interactive. So give them an idea, a little clue of something that, that person can message you about, give them a date idea in there. Talk about how you 
have tried every single cheeseburger in your city and this place is your favorite, right? Just be exciting, have fun with it. That's the other thing. Don't take yourself so serious on dating apps. Like if one person just ghosts and doesn't work out, remember you're only one person closer, one more person closer to the person that you're supposed to be with. So keep going, like don't leave before the miracle, before you meet that person, but just to keep going at it. Another thing as well is when you start to feel dating burnout, take a moment and just give yourself a little break. And I always define dating burnout as you're on the dating apps, you're swiping, nothing's happening, going bad date after bad date, all of that kind of stuff. You're like, what's my purpose? Like being on these apps, all of that kind of stuff, right? You just start wondering and you're like, forget it, I'm deleting it. Then two months later rolls around or maybe a week later and you're like, hey, I want to get back on the app. This actually like is interesting to me. Maybe I want to date again. And then you go through that cycle again. So it's giving yourself a break. Don't, it's not an all or nothing. It's just part of that pie. And do you think you should be polarizing in your profile saying exactly what you were looking for? Or do you think you should keep it more, less direct? I think it depends. I think there's a fun way to say exactly what you're looking for. Um, There's like fun flirty ways to do it. I'm looking for my partner in crime. I'm looking, you know, if that's too cheesy, you can come up with something else as well. But, you know, it's like, I'm looking for somebody to spend Friday nights and get pizza with and, and have deep, meaningful conversations. I don't know, whatever. Right. It's like kind of an idea that you're looking for somebody beyond just like hooking up or whatever. Uh, because I think the, the purpose of, if you're on the dating app to really meet somebody, that's not everyone's purpose. That's not everyone's motivation. And people are coming from different things. Some people are getting on apps for rebounds, but they don't want a relationship. They just want to rebound. Some people are getting on apps because They just want to hook up and that's all they want. Some people get on apps because they truly want a a serious relationship. So I think if it's not at least in your profile, it's important to talk to somebody, the person that you've matched with and kind of get an idea. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a relationship? And sometimes you can suss that out just by questions that they ask. If somebody wants to meet up that day, that's a red flag. So I would say, "Mm, they might just want to be hooking up, right? But if somebody's taking the time to plan a date, meet up with you, they're putting energy into it. They're putting emotional energy into it. And depending too of where the date goes. So if they're like, oh, come over to my house and it's the first date, that's a red flag. But if somebody's like, hey, let's go to this park. We can hang out and get, you know, tea, boba tea, whatever, get together. And you're like, okay, sounds good. You kind of have an idea that they're not just in it for hooking up. And do you do a phone call before you go on a date with them? How do you like filter them out? So I think a phone call can be helpful, but I also think it's totally fine just to ask a couple questions and get to know them a little bit about what their interests are and things like that, and then go into the date and get to know them face-to-face. Because I think there is something special about sitting face-to-face and really getting to know somebody and feeling out, okay, do I feel safe? Do I feel secure with them? What's their body language like? All of those things are so important to see that you can't always guess or you can't always tell just by a phone call and when you're thinking about that person and you create a list and you're super specific do you think lists are great or do you read your opinions on lists I think it's important to create lists so you have a blueprint of where you're going you have a roadmap you know where to turn right you know where to turn left but I would say that's why you should have levels of negotiables, non-negotiables, because 
you don't want to just create a list out of protecting yourself so that you put up a wall and nobody can ever meet the list and nobody will ever meet the list, right? Like that kind of list, I think can actually go against you. But I think what's important is creating a list that feels true to you, but is also being open and willing to challenge your list too. If you meet somebody who has something that's a little different than what you thought and to go over that and think, hmm, what is it that feels different? Is it truly like a deal breaker or is it just, I didn't expect to see this or meet this on my list? And if you could only give one piece of advice to singles, what would you tell them? Keep going, get out of your own way. Keep going and get out of your own way. Because here's the thing is that the minute that you stop, you let fear take in, right? And if that's your goal is to meet somebody, I would say keep going because it can be so easy to want to step away and say, oh, this is exhausting or I don't want to do this anymore. I'm never going to find somebody. I'm just the bridesmaid forever or the single friend forever. All my friends are married and I'm not. And I'm just that one in a billion who will never find anyone, you know, all of those things, right? That's just fear talking. So if you can overcome that by continuing to take action, continuing to keep going, putting yourself out there, strategizing, I would say that that is the number one thing is like, just keep going. And what's your opinion on games? Like playing games, dating games. Oh, (laughs) I think that those, if you don't want to be in a relationship, go for it. But (laughs) I I would say that if you want to actually be in a healthy relationship, don't play games because games are just, it's just causes an unhealthy dynamic and you're no longer, your motives are no longer in it out of the sole purpose of trying to get to know somebody. There's an alternative motive and it's manipulative really. If you think about it, I'm not saying that somebody who plays games isn't a manipulative person, but your actions around it become manipulative. So you're no longer coming from like a clear conscious place, but you're now trying to control the situation by playing these games. And how do you know if you're ready for a relationship? I would say that you feel like you truly, genuinely want to, to connect with somebody. That you don't feel like you're still holding on to the past. There's no getting back at somebody else. There's no proving your worth to yourself that you're loved. That's why you're going after certain people. You're not trying to control dates that just aren't meant to be and outcomes of dates that just aren't meant to be, but you're willing just to let go and say, okay, you know what? Like, I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to be connected with somebody. I'm willing to put myself first, which is caring for yourself, which is showing up in self-love, knowing, recognizing, knowing that you're worthy, and then bringing that along with the journey of dating and getting to know who you are in that process while being open and ready to meet somebody else in that process as well. And if you go on a date with someone and let's say the first time the chemistry is not there, should you go on multiple dates to see if maybe the chemistry will be there later on or should you go to the next person? All right. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to sum this one up with a story of a client of mine. So she was used to men who brought her on a roller coaster. This like up and down roller coaster. So he's into her and then he's not really, but then he comes back and says, like, oh no, I am into you. So it just felt like she was on this like roller coaster ride that he was bringing her along on. And this happened for years. Pretty much every relationship of hers felt like a roller coaster. And she was feeling pretty bored on this date that she went on with this guy. And I said to her, look, 
okay, you say you're bored, but maybe you're bored because he's not stringing you along. He's just sharing exactly who he is, how he feels. There's no games. There's no other motives to it. He's just expressing himself. He wants a relationship. He's telling you that. There's nothing else there. And so she thought about it and was like, yeah, maybe that's, that's right. Goes on a second date and instantly like feels a deep connection with him. And now they're in a relationship together. So that is a perfect example that even if you don't feel a straight up connection on that first date, but possible there's, there's possible, you know, chemistry, some stuff there, butterflies that going on a second date can help give you information of that. And look, maybe you give it a second date and you realize, oh, there isn't anything and that's fine. You just move on. But I think if you're really like, there's no chemistry, this person is not right. Okay. Don't go on the second date. But if you're maybe not used to dating somebody who is pretty just upfront, honest, there's no games, pretty straightforward, it could feel a little different. So I would challenge you if you're coming from a place like that to give that second date a try. And what are some good questions to ask on a first date? So I think that a first date should really just be exchanging information. So I never think a first date should feel like a job interview. And the reason being is you want to have conversation. So really the best questions to ask are about things you're interested in, because then you're going to come off seeming very excited, like you're having fun, like this is great. And the other person will feel that energy. They'll feel your excitement and they'll be like, oh, this, this chick's awesome. Like, okay, like, I like this. this. This is fun. Like she's excited. She's passionate about stuff. So it's really about asking the questions you're interested in. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure your interests, your hobbies, the way you think, your morals, all your beliefs, all of those line up with the person you're dating. So if you talk about that in a way and ask them about it, then that is a great reflection of, does this person align with me? And what are good like first date ideas? Like, should you go to the movies? Should you go to dinner? Should you go to coffee? I would suggest holding off on anything that you're not going to be able to have a conversation and keeping it really simple. You don't need to go to an elaborate dinner just to meet somebody for the first time. That could be the third date. It could be the second date, right? But the first date is really just getting to know each other. Can we feel safe? Can I trust you right now in this moment? How do, how do I feel about you? Do I feel excited? All of those things. So I think doing something like a movie takes away from a, a possibility to really get to know somebody on a first date and have a true conversation. So nothing that takes away a conversation. And there's tons of fun dates. You could just literally go get coffee with somebody. If you're like, I don't want to waste my time. I just... I know I like this coffee shop. At least I'll enjoy the coffee. Let's go there, right? Or you could go to a park and meet up and just go for a walk. All of those different types of things. You could go for a hike. You could go and just go to get ice cream. I mean, something more simple, right? It's like the ice cream cone doesn't take that long. It's not a meal. And you can get through it just like you can with a cup of coffee. So those are all different ideas that encourage people to actually have conversations and not avoid having any kind of you know, awkwardness of not really actually getting to know someone. What is something lighting you up right now? Something that is lighting me up right now is the weather. Like, I'm so happy to be enjoying literally the weather. um, Rochester had the most snow in the entire U.S. 
I came from the sunniest city in America to the snowiest city in America. We beat Anchorage, Alaska. And I could not be happier that the sun is out, the trees are green, there is, there's flowers, those types of things. And I think that those are the things that truly light us up the best because it's when it's simple. It's like having gratitude lists. It's something I practice. It's like a daily gratitude list. It's recognizing the things that you have in front of you. Those are what truly fulfill me. And those are things that truly light me up. What is something that most people don't know about you? (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's so much. Most people don't know. It's a really good question because I feel like I'm such an open book. I talk about everything. Most people don't know that I have a sister who lives in England and I have another sister who, well, she lived in San Francisco, but now is in New York city. And we are not close in the sense of proximity because I'm in Rochester. So it's like a five hour difference and that I'm really, really close. And I talk with my sisters every single day. People probably wouldn't know about that because I don't post about it. I don't really share about it, but I am so, so close with my family and my mom and my sisters. And what motivates you? The love for myself, because I can't let myself down. That's what motivates me today. That's what gets me going. Things that I do are always for myself. It's for my own self-benefit in the sense of I am worth trying for. I'm worth putting in the work for. I'm worth going. I'm worth it. Like I talked about earlier, it was the validation. But I would say that's, that's where it lies is within myself. And what is something you're manifesting right now? I have to be honest. I don't really, I'm a, I live a very like day-to-day life, like one day at a time is kind of my motto. And I would say if anything I was manifesting is to continue showing up for myself, continue showing up for my clients, continue showing up for my friends, my family, and bringing in love and kindness with everyone that is really, I think, what I manifest. I'm not looking, I'm, I'm happy with my life right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm not to say you can't be happy to manifest. I don't, I actually don't believe that. But I would say that that's, that's where I am. I'm not really manifesting anything. I just, my outlook is kind of, you know, show up every day. If I need to readjust, I readjust and go from there. And what is something that you're learning right now? <laughs> Everything that's been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything, I am learning so much more about having deeper conversations with people beyond what I already have been doing. And a little background with me is I am a social activist. I've been doing activism work for years now. So the Black Lives Matter movement is nothing new. I've gone to protests. I've you know marched in the street with them before. Um, I've gone to rallies, that, that kind of thing. And it's, it's allowing myself to grow. It's allowing myself to have deeper conversations with people, looking at things even more so in a deeper way. Just like I talked about self-love is a journey. So is just learning is a journey. And I don't think we're ever done learning. And I think that it's important to keep conversations going and to challenge different ideas and different perspectives and things like that to a whole different level than I've, I've challenged before. And I'd say I'm learning that within myself. And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? 
that you're worth it. That is, I mean, that you're enough, that you're worth it, that you are lovable and not to change anything because I truly believe all of that stuff that I went through was so necessary for where I am today. I'm not saying that, oh, like I'm glad I went through all this crazy stuff, but I am in a way because I grew from it. I learned from it. I morphed into who I am in this moment and I would never, I would never change that in a million years. I've, I've arrived and I'm still arriving at where I'm supposed to be. And that's because of my 20 year old self. So it would be just remember you're worth it. You're enough and you are lovable. Are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? No, you did a great job. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Where can people connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at I am Carla Romo. Romo is like Tony Romo. I also have a Facebook group. It's for women only. It's at any stage of your love life. We keep it real. We help each other out. I always give different tips, things like that. I do lives on there. And that's at Love Life Cheerleader. So you can check me out there. You can also buy my book if you're interested and you're listening to this right now. And go to my website, IamCarlaRomo.com. Type in Confident Warrior for the coupon. It's free shipping and it's a discount code. So you can go ahead and order my book there and I can sign it for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.